Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Homestead Story. This is Peter and Kristen. Hi, everyone. So it's, I think we're two days away from it finally warming up around here and becoming spring. It's been spring for a while. But spring started with a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. It's been a cold spring. Right. So last night it went below freezing, and tonight it went. it's going to go below freezing again. But the methylene plum tree didn't realize that. So like every single year that we've had it, it bloomed early. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Methylene is one of the most popular Asian plum trees that you can get, and it's really good, and it's prolific. And now I know that it also puts out its flowers way too early. Right. So if you're looking at Asian plum trees, get a shiro plum, I think is how you say it. Well, if you're in our area. I mean, that's In our area. Well, yeah. I mean, it's going to be earlier than the others. So what I did is I took my tent cover and put it over top of the tree, which it's, the tree is big enough that that my, it's a pretty big tent. So the tent cover is a piece that goes over top of that and had straps on it and everything. It only covers like half the tree. (laughs) It looks really funny. The boys woke up ridiculous. and they're like, Mommy, Mommy, come let us show you. And we looked out the window and there's this huge tent right. on like The dog saw it tree. and started freaking out. They're like, what is going on Oh, with the, that the dogs are barking? <laughs> That's so, so funny. I have no idea if it's going to do anything at all. But I just so badly want plums this year that I wanted to try something. Yeah, it's beautiful. If the flowers are beautiful, but it's just dangerous because if they freeze <laughs> off, then you won't get plums. <laughs> Some badly constructed tent. Okay. Yeah. So we've had a crazy... Winter, I think we had. When was the last time we podcasted? Maybe a, yeah, it's been a little weeks while. ago. So we actually uh, found out we got, we got pregnant back in December. So excited! Yeah, we were really excited. I spent the whole winter, January and February, just really, really sick. So uh, I don't know if anyone listened to our turkey and chicken processing podcast, yeah. and I talked about the chicken feet, and oh, that was. Really tough because I was so <laughs> sick. I was so sick. Every, um, you know, the smells were awful. I felt like I was nauseous twenty four seven. So, I, you know, being so sick, we realized we really figured it was going to be a, a healthy pregnancy. And around ten weeks or at ten weeks, we found out that we lost a baby, yeah. and it was really tough. And and we want to share it because it's important to know that just uh, suffering and death is such a part of life and. You know, we are really happy in our life. We have our homestead. We have a great family. We have a great marriage. But, you know, we're always, you know, in this world, we're going to have suffering. And right. Suffering is guaranteed. Yeah. And I think sometimes in in every, in the world, but also in the natural world, there's a lot of, if you buy these things, these natural things, you'll be happy and you'll never get sick. And, you know, that's not true. You know, in this world, we're going to have suffering. And it's when I think it's, yeah, especially if you're trying to sell people stuff, but it's a (laughs) lot of people's goal in life, I think, to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we have a lot of happiness in our life, but it's not our goal. Our goal Mm -hmm. is to have a meaningful, loving family and and happiness comes out of that, but guaranteed suffering, you know, we're going to have suffering. Right. And I, and also it's just, I was just so thankful to be Catholic and to be surrounded by Catholic friends in that time of suffering. So it was during Lent and, um, you know, we went to the hospital, found out that we had lost a baby and I was, went to a Catholic hospital and every room in the Catholic hospital has a crucifix. And when you're going through suffering, the crucifix is so comforting because you look upon the crucifix and, you know, Jesus dying on the cross and 
you know that your Savior, you know, Jesus is, um, he understands what you're going through. He knows he's a God who, who understands our suffering and our sorrow. And it was neat because I've heard of a lot of people who have miscarriages and a lot of people might, I've heard of a lot of traumatic experiences. And I felt so comforted because every nurse, every doctor that I encountered was so, um, they just showed so much reverence for the baby that we lost. So every nurse that came in said, here at St. Agnes Hospital, we believe that life begins at conception and everybody is a person. The doctor, our doctor is pro-life and very Catholic and she prayed with us and there was just such peace. And um, so during that suffering, I just feel like, I felt like I was treated like royalty. I felt like everyone treated my baby just, you know, we were just treated so well. And even, you know, I'm getting, I was getting blood work done and I'm talking to the woman doing blood work and I just was sobbing. I I had just found out. So I'm like crying uncontrollably. And she was just so great. She was like, let it out. It's okay. I had a miscarriage too. I cried for a year. It's okay. I mean, every person. And in Baltimore, you, you get used to not always encountering friendly people, (laughs) but every person I encountered was so kind, so loving, so gentle, so just said all the right things. And, um, it was just, it was one of those experiences that just, um, was very healing. And I come home and, uh, our community, we have, we're surrounded by people that are, that value life, you know, a lot of just awesome Christians and Catholics. And, um, I had dinners brought to me, you know, for, many nights after we lost the baby. And it was just, it was kind of hilarious because everyone who brought us a dinner was like, it's grass fed beef. <laughs> this is organic chicken. This is, this, this pork doesn't have any hormones. And I'm yeah. like, people, please. I feel terrible. No one's ever going to have us over for dinner. Yeah. I'm like, I'll eat whatever you serve me. And it's okay. But everybody had to like say something about right. the food that they brought us. They probably felt, you know, but we would eat anything. But the other neat thing was, um, I had so many people send, cards and flowers and the flowers in the dead of winter were just so comforting um to me every time I looked at them I just felt a lot of joy and um just felt really loved but every time a flower would start to die someone else would send a bouquet so I I, for like about a month and a half I or so I, I still have two months now I've had flowers or no a month whatever I kept having these flowers come and every time one would die I'd be like all right god tell someone to send me flowers. I need more flowers. I still have one that's flowering now. And now all the daffodils are coming up. So all the spring flowers are coming. So I feel like now I'm going to have just flowers continually and it's just really comforting. So, well, this had happened. We had had a miscarriage as our Kristen's first pregnancy way mm -hmm. back. And it was devastating because we had tried to have kids for three years and couldn't and didn't know why. And it was just a very stressful thing and brought up all kinds of difficult issues. But then um, Kristen finally got pregnant and we were so excited. And then we lost the baby and it was just, I just remember there being like this emptiness Mm -hmm. afterwards because you get yourself so like built up psychologically and mentally to have this child and you start hoping for it and dreaming about it. And physically your whole body is, your whole body is ready, is Right. You know, ready for this baby. Right. And I think what was so hard back then, especially, was that then there was not much around us to take its mm-hmm. place. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, this time around we had a miscarriage and um, there's a sense of emptiness afterwards, but we also have four kids running around and there's all this life everywhere and there's animals and then there's yes. flowers and it's like there's all these different symbols and and experiences of life to kind of fill the void and I think that helped a lot. Oh yeah, it was huge. I mean, 
of course it's like sad and devastating, but I was overcome by thankfulness. I was just so thankful for what I have. So I come home and my boys are just, I just like adore my boys. They're just, I'm just soaking them in. They're just the sweetest things. I just love them so much. So, you know, seeing my boys and then just my loving husband, our wonderful friends and family. And then, yeah, the animals even, you know, like the animals have just been bring, have brought just a level of comfort, just just the life that they are. I don't know. They, there's just been, just being surrounded by life is so, um, comforting and healing. And I'm just, I'm thankful. So, you know, we're going through a tough time, but I don't know. I feel like we're doing as well as we probably can be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, absolutely. so that's kind of what we've been, you know, going through the past couple months. So homesteading has been just a great distract. Would you say distraction or just, just a great thing to get to, keep us occupied and yeah, um, life is busy. Yeah. So we've been doing some cool homesteading stuff since the miscarriage the past month or so. One cool thing we did in Lent, we decided we were going to do, after I had lost the baby, we decided to do a three day water fast. Right. So three days of just water, mm-hmm. except we also had like a half cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. I just couldn't give that up. <laughs> <laughs> right. But other than that, just water, no food for three days. Um, so that's going to probably take a little bit of explaining, but one of the things that I've, I've realized is that in this, this world where we're constantly surrounded by, by the decadence, you know, just food Mm -hmm. everywhere and materialism and Mm -hmm. bye, 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 and all this stuff that part of the antidote to that is fasting. Mm -hmm. And we had, Kristen and I had learned this like pretty well a long time ago, um, but then I also did a bunch of research this time around. And so fasting as, as an antidote mentally and spiritually, but it turns out it also is from a physical and health standpoint, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Right. But They're just finding a lot of, I mean, fasting has always been a Christian tradition because Jesus tells us to fast. Right. But now they're finding, whoa, this is actually is really good for your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like there's some really wild research, um, some cool stuff coming out of USC, and mm-hmm. there's another uh, brain doctor at Hopkins that's been studying it, and they have some of these fasting clinics throughout the world, I think in Russia mm-hmm. and Germany, and there's some in this United in the United States too, and. Um, I don't want, really want to get too much into the health stuff because it's not my expertise. Yeah, we're but, not doctors. But the research is incredible mm-hmm. that um, when you go into a fast, your body starts, it just kicks itself into overdrive as far as healing yourself and um, repairing DNA and rebuilding your immune system mm-hmm. and cleaning your body of toxins. And mm-hmm. it's one thing after another after another. And there's some really incredible research going on there about the kind of conditions that people can be healed from. And so that's really neat from a health standpoint. And I can't wait to see what other research comes out about this as we really start to understand what something like fasting can do. Right. So Pete and I got into fasting back in college. And I think that was when we were trying to, when I was in college, there's just so much pizza and junk food and donuts. I mean, I just ate junk food all the time. And I think we were starting to want to be more healthy. And we kind of felt like we needed to almost just reset ourselves. Cause I, you know, we just had such unhealthy patterns. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, we would do like three day water fasts, but then one time we did a big 40 day juice fast where we just did juice for 40 days. Yeah. And, um, I took all, I took creative writing classes. Like I just loved, I used to love to write. And for one of my creative writing essays, I wrote all about fasting 
and, you know, turned it in. And then the teacher came up to me a couple of days later after she had read the essay and she was like, Kristen, your essay on fasting was incredible. And she said, I told my husband before even reading the essay, before she knew I was fasting, she said, there is a girl in my class and I don't know if she's on a a special diet or what she's doing, but she is just glowing. <laughs> and I'm wondering, like, I'm doing this juice fast. I'm surrounded by college kids who are eating, like, horrible, you know, college-type foods. I mean, yeah. I wonder what I look like. I don't even know. But they're definitely, that just, I felt like that really reset our bodies, our palates, and then we really started more healthy lifestyle after that. Right. It does a lot of things. I mean, one thing it for sure does is reset your palate and mm-hmm. make you appreciate food. So, mm-hmm. You realize as soon as you start fasting, like you get hungry for half a day and then a day and then the second day. And it's like all of a sudden food takes on its like proper role in your brain Mm -hmm. again, where you Mm -hmm. you just start to like realize it's so valuable and it's so wonderful. And as soon as you don't have it, it kind of resets that whole thing on our body where we're used to just kind of cramming our faces with whatever we want. Right. Now it's like, wow, I want to appreciate every single bite from now on. Right. And of course that goes away after a while, but, but fasting helps to kind of bring equilibrium to it. Now, so when I was pregnant um, and I was really sick for winter, I was not eating that great. <laughs> like I couldn't really eat anything. So vegetables and eggs, all that just sounded awful to me. So I was eating a lot more junk food. It was just like, Peter, I just want you to pick up burger and french fries. It's all I can eat. I don't know. I don't know if it's yeah. psychological or what, but I was not eating great food. So I think shortly after the miscarriage, I wanted to just kind of, you know, clean out my body, reset a bit. And so we decided to do a three-day fast. And it was really humbling because in college, you know, we could do a, a three-day fast easily. I couldn't, you know. Yeah, we did those We did those a lot. Yes. And they were terrific. There were a lot of, I don't yeah. know, there was a lot of positive things about it. Now, there's a difference in fasting when you have no responsibility <laughs> and fasting when you have responsibility and you yeah. have children. It's really you. hard just to begin with. Like, it's really hard. If you've never done it before, it's not easy. Right. And there's, I think, you know, you need the grace and you, and it, and when we are of the belief that like our children come first, so if we're not going to fast and shut ourselves away from our children. If our children need us, that is more important than fasting. So yeah. the first day of fasting went great. Yeah. The second day of fasting, um, a big, huge snowstorm was coming. So I'm in the house with the kids and they were in the house. The first day was warm. Everyone was outside. The second day, the kids were like, mom, I need this. Mom, mom, mom. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I am really hungry and everyone is really agitating me and I can, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> at my computer at work and so I was doing fine because, you know, I mm-hmm. had a nice level of peace going on there and I could listen to music while I was right. working and Kristen would call me and I'm like, oh no, yeah, that's not going well. Right. Well, in college, you know, when I was fasting, I could just go into the chapel <laughs> for hours or, um, I don't know, just go read or I don't right. know. It was not, right. there wasn't a lot being demanded of me. And, um, so by the end of the second day of the fast, I just was like, my kids were driving me crazy because I, you know, I'm hungry. I don't want and, yeah. and they, they were stuck in the house and a big, huge snowstorm was coming. And I just was like, there is no way that I'm going to be stuck in the house <laughs> with the kids in a snowstorm and not eat any food. Right. And so... Right. So Kristen crashed when I came home and right. she ate some food. Well, Pete came home and I just, I just like burst out crying and I was just like, I can't do this. Right. But it was really humbling because fasting for us was like not an issue before. It was kind of like probably prideful. Like, 
why, why can't people do this? You know, this is easy, but yeah. man, no. Depends on what your life is. So we did a two, I did a two day fast. Right. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely at least making it through the night. So, right. so I, I did, I went till the next morning and then I woke up and yeah, there was, it was a big snowfall and I'm going to be staying home from work. And, and what do you do on a snow day? You eat. <laughs> you sit around, you eat, and then you go play at the snow, and then you yeah. eat more. So I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm fasting in all a, day at home. Like, I'm going to be tired. Like, I'm not even going to want to go sledding with the kids. So, right. Yeah. I, yeah. Fam- I mean, your kids have to come first. And if you're, if fasting makes you a mean parent or a parent who can't take care of your kids, you know, yeah. that's not. So I made it two and a half days. But right. <laughs> I made it, it two days. Um, but it was really neat because, so how much snow did we get? Like a was it like a foot or something? No, it wasn't that much. But it was it was, a lot. It was like six inches. It was like a legitimate snowstorm that um, Pete couldn't go to work. People couldn't, you know, right. really drive. So the neat thing was we, since we thought we were fasting, we didn't have a ton of great food. It wasn't like we went to the grocery store and like stocked up on tons of great food. Right. Like you might do when you have a snowstorm coming. Um, but the neat thing was since we broke the fast, we had all this just homesteading food. We ate so well the next day and we ate all just our own homesteading food. So I made bread and then, um, we just had all of our eggs. We had bacon from the farm down the street in the freezer. We yeah. had all of our meats. And so we ate, we just, we ate like all day. It was, yeah. and we went sledding with the kids. But the cool thing, one of the cool things was I had always, I've always hated eggs. Like I just never liked eggs until we got chickens. And then I also hated mayonnaise. And so things like egg salad were just gross to me. But I think over time I've kind of, I have reset my palate to like eggs because, um, I just kind of forced myself to like them and ate them every day and kind of trained my palate to like, I, I think that our palate right. is relative and. Oh, it can be trained. Um, and if we're used to eating junk, that's what you want to eat. Right. Exactly. And that's what you used to and good food tastes bad. And right. That's one of the things fasting can fix. Right. So I had a friend come over and she brought egg salad a few weeks back and I was like, and she's like, oh, you're probably going to, you don't like this. And I was like, well, let me try it. And I was, I loved it because, you know, I had learned to like that. So I started making egg salad and one of the big ingredients in egg salad is mayonnaise. And I was like, you know, I don't want to put processed food that I don't, I want to put my own, I want to make my own food. I don't want to put this jar of mayonnaise on my awesome eggs. So I quickly Googled how to make your own mayonnaise so I could use my own eggs and make this amazing mayonnaise with just a right. couple simple Which is ingredients. raw egg, though. That was right. something that's been changing for us over the last years. You know, we, had, we would never have considered eating a raw egg right. before. Like, are you kidding me? We right. probably thought something was wrong with that. And we had a couple friends come over. And this, is, this was last year sometime. And um, one of them is this guy out of Italy. And he's like, yeah, my mom made me drink a raw egg every day. Yeah. We're like, what are you kidding Right. Me? Well, because we're used to industrialized <clears throat> eggs. And there is... I mean, raw eggs is a risk of salmonella. I mean, right. it's, so we get our eggs. We know our eggs are really clean. And I actually just, I wash the outside of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I trust that they're from a clean source. And again, I guess there's, there is a risk of salmonella, especially if you're getting eggs that are not clean. But um, I don't know. We just trust it. So we're, we're, we're doing it. And right. it so is we, so we did good. eggnog and now we're doing mayonnaise. Yes. But it's just fun. It's to, incredible. Like real mayonnaise right. is so much better. Right. And people email me all the time and ask me for recipes. And honestly, I'm not a chef. I literally, it's whatever the first thing that comes up on Google is what I make. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just Googled how to make homemade mayonnaise and I did it and it's, it was just great. And, and again, yeah, I mean, obviously I guess you have to be careful about salmonella, but we're, we're pretty yeah. okay with the risk. So, um, 
anyway, so we, that day of, we had fasted and then we broke our fast with just all great, healthy homemade food. I made bread. I made this amazing egg salad with all of our ingredients and we didn't have to go to the store. The only thing we didn't have that we wanted wanted was a bottle of wine. Yeah. And, and like, we don't have wine and it's a snow day. Yeah. Cause we didn't have, we didn't like stock up on anything cause we didn't think we were going to be yeah. eating. So we texted the neighbors and we we're like, does anybody have a bottle of wine that we can? Yeah. They came through for us. Yes. The neighbor gave us a bottle of wine, which was <clears> great. So we had, the, we just had a great snow day. We yeah, went sledding. We I have not. Sledding. I've always been home with like a, a baby. So yeah. I have not been sledding in like what eight years or something. Yeah. But I went sledding. So Kristen it decided was really she was fun. gonna this is a really big hill and Kristen decided she was gonna go and so she she took our three year old down the hill. For his first time sledding. For his first time sledding and now he thinks what sledding is is when your mom takes you down the hill and then smashes your face well, into the snow. <laughs> I we tipped over oh, and God. he like went face first. And he then went I face just went, first and he was doing okay until Kristen landed on him. Yeah, I went flying right on top of him. <laughs> and Pete was like, well, "Why didn't you kind of move your body so you didn't land right on top of him?" And I was like, "I don't have yeah. that kind of control. I don't know. I just fell and went flailing." Yeah, I like I would have put my arms out. Maybe I can't to, control where I'm falling. <laughs> to not put his face into the snow. <laughs> yeah, so we had a we had a really fun special snow day just making lots of food and I don't even know what would if we had fasted that snow day we would have just like lost our minds and our poor children would have been like right you know right so we didn't you well, know, we started day. yeah we started fasting long ago and we didn't know really anything about health or good food mm-hmm. um, but we knew that it there was there was this like power to reset and mm-hmm. and yeah fasting has been a part of every major religion for a very very long time and there's mm-hmm. a we we figured there was a big reason for that mm-hmm. that you know in Christianity it talks about this really incredible amount of grace that gets released through fasting mm-hmm. and so we had started doing it back then because we just we really wanted that grace and one of the things that I remember thinking was that. I just don't really desire God as much as I want to. Like mm-hmm. I want I want to want God more. And so one of the things that I knew would really increase that was fasting. That's what Christianity talks about is that as our physical hunger increases that we then have this corresponding greater spiritual hunger mm-hmm. for God and for love and for goodness for all the right things that for whatever reason when we start fasting it it reorients um, the spiritual side of us to mm-hmm. be in a more correct place. And so I remember experiencing that so much um, years ago when we first started doing that is that for, yeah, I mean, our bodies and our spirits are so attached yeah. that when our, when our body starts to get hungry, we really start to get hungry in every way. Well, and it, it, it really reminds you of how weak you are, how much we need God, how much right. um, we rely on him. And I, one thing I, I've said this before, but I love about being Catholic is we don't separate like the body and the spirit. Like we're all, we're one, we're, there's like a wholeness to it. So right. if something is good for you spiritually, it's, you know, it's going to be good for you physically. Like, you know, we don't, the right. body is, the, it's That's, not like body yeah. and spirit. Oh, you're fasting. It's good for your spirit. But that, you know, we're, we're, it's all connected. Yeah. We're, right. So that was what was so incredible for me to, to be learning this time around. And I wanted more motivation. So I went I went a little deeper this time into understanding the health benefits of it. And then it just became no surprise to me because I've understood over the years what what the spiritual and, and mental benefits are of fasting. And it was no surprise to me at all that I started to learn that 
basically the same thing that it was doing for my spirit, fasting was doing for my body. That, like, in a scientifically verifiable way that that people are understanding now, that my body is getting cleaned and reset and Mm -hmm. rebuilt and Mm -hmm. my immune system. And so I woke up. We had we ate a whole bunch of stuff, you know, on that snow day, and I woke up the next day and drove to work. And the mental clarity that I had that day was mm. off the charts. I mean, it was just incredible. My mind was so sharp, um, and it, it kind of faded back away. <laughs> I think, you know, <clears throat> we can try to do fasting every once in a while to get back to that. But yeah, it was very neat to experience just how good my body felt after fasting. Yeah, right. It was neat. I hadn't, I mean, I really haven't fasted since I started having kids because I just couldn't. And um, it was a really, I wanted to be a regular part of our life for sure. So that was Lent. And now we are moving on to Easter and we're moving on to spring Mm -hmm. and we're planting and there's all kinds of spring happenings happening around here. Yes. So when it comes to planting things, a lot of things you got to wait for your last frost date, which in in Maryland is kind of like the first or second week of May. I think it's Mother's Day, like yeah, May May twelfth or something right, like that. Right, right. But there's lots of things that we can be planting before the last frost date. So we got a ton of potatoes in the ground, and onion sets in the ground, and garlic was in the ground last fall. And yeah, the garlic is coming up beautifully. All it's so green. All the what do you call the things that come up? From the garlic? Yeah. The garlic leaves? Yeah, whatever. They just look great. <laughs> the garlic looks great. Yeah, it does. And so we have uh, strawberries coming this week and asparagus. We're going to do another big, long row of strawberries and asparagus. And we've got our seeds going inside. Although I think what's really cool is we planted a whole bunch of lettuce uh, outside in the spring. But where we planted it last year, we let it go to seed uh, before it died, and we just let the seed fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. And now there's a ton of lettuce just coming up on its own. We have lettuce coming up everywhere. I'm so excited. And I love, I don't really like doing the seeds inside. It's a lot more work. I, I much more prefer to direct sow something and let it come up on its own. Yeah, I don't like it. For whatever reason, I just don't like planting little tiny plants that I right. grow inside. I, I'm Planting seed, I have fun with. That's really... I like it. I just enjoy it, but I don't enjoy planting. Right. I'd like to do as much by seed as possible. Right. It's just really neat because a lot of our perennials are coming up beautifully right now. So the, the strawberries that we planted, you know, what, last year, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. And um, I have, I love walking around the property. I planted so, I did hundreds of herbs last year and I didn't really harvest a ton of them because I really wanted them to get established. And they are just, oh man, we are going to have so many herbs this year and um it was great because i i harvested enough to last me through the winter so uh we had we're still i'm still using like my oregano and lemon balm and and sage so i dry it all out and then use it all year and it's um just still so potent and it's just great to have all those fresh healthy herbs but um i mean they are just coming up like crazy now. So that's really yeah. exciting. And just the smells like already the, the smell of mints, the smell of oregano, the smell of lemon balm. It's really exciting. And then I'm doing, so we have a window, we have a table out by the window and I'm just doing a bunch more, lots of, I just want to keep on expanding. So lots right. of echinacea, lemon balm, tons. I'm doing like 30 basil plants because our pesto was incredible um, yeah. last year. We ran out of it too early. Though. But um, but we try to keep things as simple as possible. So <clears throat> we didn't want big grow lights everywhere. So we have them all by the window. And then we talked about this before, but Pete made this backing um, with tinfoil. 
And they're just doing great by the window. They're doing, they're, they've great. germinated quickly. They're getting big. Make sure we can reflect the light that's coming in because it's coming in, you know, and we don't want the, the plants to all grow towards the light. So if you put mm-hmm. a foil in cardboard behind them, then it reflects the light from both sides. They get a lot more light and they right. grow straight. Right. <laughs> and our dogs, so we've had our dogs inside for the winter just because it's just been, it's been so cold. Yeah. Um, but now, now they're back outside doing their job. It's not getting as cold at night. So yeah, they're guarding the property. Oh, two nights ago. Well. Two nights ago at like, I don't know, middle of the night, we yeah. just heard, we, I, we know that there's different barks. There's like just a quick bark, maybe to chase off a deer or chase something off or, you know, somebody right. walking by or something. But then, then there's, there's the bark of battle. There's like, yeah, then there's the battle bark where it's like, uh-oh, what <laughs> is going on? You know? Yeah. So, um. I didn't know what was going on. I saw him running around and stuff and. Uh, our lovely Bella, once she gets going, she doesn't want to stop barking. So not, I brought her in because she just <laughs> yeah. So she so she, brought her into our breezeway. She was still outside, but she's, she barks like cra- she's she's the alpha. She barks like crazy, but our other dog Blue does the work. Like he, I think, chases things off, makes the kills. Um, right, and and then Bella takes the kill, and she is alpha. She walks around with it. So we heard that crazy, crazy bark. Pete went outside and just like brought her in just because right. it was she was out of control with her barking. And then in the morning, Pete was going to work and he's like, well, I, I found what they were barking about. And we go out to the patio because they always bring us their lovely prized, you know, <laughs> their work. So there's this huge possum. It was a big one. Lots of babies. Yeah. That were that they had gotten over the night. Yeah. Which I'm really thankful about. I mean, you don't, when you have chickens, these things, yeah, possums will kill chickens. it sounds mean, but like raccoons and possums, they'll kill your chickens. And, um, so the dogs killed that and Pete was going to work and I was like, I need you to do something about this. I mean, it was a terrible sight. Yeah. Like I need you to do something about it. He's like, well, I mean, she's really proud of it. It's, it's her, <laughs> you know, it's her I was going to let her have it for the day. I was day. like, no, I'm not looking at this all day. <laughs> no way. I'm not yeah. going to watch her carry this around yeah so pete got rid of it i took it yeah back into the woods but those things she wasn't happy with me (laughs) for stealing it (laughs) yeah but those those occasions where we wake up and there's a nice groundhog there or a nice raccoon or a possum or a mole i mean they just make me so i don't know how on earth we would homestead without the dogs guarding at night i just i mean i feel like these animals these critters would just kind of destroy everything so right really thankful for our our guard dogs yeah that was good Right. So one of the other things we want to really encourage around here is the natural bird population. And so we've been slowly trying to increase our number of birdhouses here on the property over time. And so one of the other things we did and we I want to be doing every spring is just building birdhouses. So think of like the simplest bird form of a birdhouse that you could think of. And it's really easy to make. So I made three of them. Uh, with a little helper or two mm-hmm. and it probably took a half hour it was like really simple birdhouses and we'll be hanging those up this week and for us the trick is to make the hole big enough that the bluebirds can use it but small enough that the european starlings can't mm-hmm. and that's there's like a very small size there but if you do it just right right um the blueberries and i don't even know what the size is i just i i I figured it out. I have a drill bit that does it because I did what they did online and the bluebirds couldn't get in. So mm. maybe we have fat bluebirds, but yeah, we they couldn't get them. in. So I had to open it up a little <laughs> bit and the bluebirds use it. Right. And then the the starlings can't get in. 
And the bluebirds are great because in the spring when they have babies, they don't, I don't think they usually eat a lot of bugs, but for a period there, for a couple of months, they eat a ton of bugs. So right. they hang out by their nests and they just look around and you can watch them and then they dart down into the ground, right. eat something and then fly back up. So they're like this, this natural bug control for, yeah. for like a 10 foot radius around their little nest. Yeah. I mean, I feel like God gave us what we need in nature to, to, to be able to garden and to grow food. And um, Part, if you encouraging can, that natural ecology as yeah, best we can. If we can encourage that, get a lot of birds in there to take care of the bugs. It just really does make, I don't know, allow right. things to work. Have these these. I think in nature, coyote and wolves, and you do have predators for these other animals that kind of take over everything. And just putting the dogs out there controls um, right. controls that population and keeps it away. And it works. It's just it's wonderful. Yeah, we want to keep just creating a healthy ecology around here. This is what the permaculture people are so good at and have so many tips and tricks for is how to how to be solving the problems using nature to solve nature's problems and mm-hmm. not not needing some different input. So we can construct a little wooden house for birds to live in and they can help solve our problems while bringing beauty and mm-hmm. bringing a little bit more life. Yeah, right. Um well, I guess for that's it for today. Yeah. Um please Keep our family in your prayers. Yep. It's been a kind of a rough season, but um, and thank you to those of you who are still listening to us after the last podcast. Right. <laughs> I, I think in our last podcast we got kind of you know we had something to offend everybody. Um, it was um, funny because I was like, well, I guess this is when the bad reviews are going to come in. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. we did get two bad reviews, but yeah. we used to be, t- when we first started podcasting, we were really scared of getting a bad review. It's like, oh no. Yeah, you put yourself out there yeah. and it's like, oh my gosh, what happens when someone hates this? And yes. it's inevitable. Like right. I'm sure people don't like this. Not everyone does. Right. But when you put yourself out there and you're vulnerable, <laughs> you're just going to have some people that like right. you so and there some are people one that st- don't. Yeah. So there were one star reviews without a review, which either meant they didn't leave one or it was so bad it got edited. <laughs> which, which might yeah. So thank you to those of you who are still listening to us and didn't give us a bad review. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, whatever. So yeah. Um, again, thanks. Thanks everyone. And, and again, keep us in your prayers and um, we're excited for real spring. To come. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. Bye.